Welcome to the Presentation Boss Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Kate Norris. And I'm Thomas Craft. Whether you're pitching your business, speaking at a work meeting, or on the stage, we're here to help you present with clarity and confidence. Welcome to episode 24 of the podcast. Today, we're talking about the art of rehearsal. So a good presentation is generally the result of a couple of things. And some of those things are to do with the preparation and the rehearsal of your presentation. So today, we're going to have a talk about the rehearsal process of giving a presentation. Hmm. Something that we're asked occasionally is, what is your number one tip for public speaking? And quite boringly, our answer is always preparation and practice. They really are the two Mm. main things that are going to make you better at speaking. There just is no substitute, unfortunately. And there's the anecdote I like to use is if you think about any skill that takes more than a week to learn, like learning to drive a car or play the piano, you can do that over and over and over again by yourself in an empty room or in an empty car park with nobody watching. Public speaking, unfortunately, is the opposite of that. The first time you do it, for real, is the first time you do it. Mm. There kind of is no substitute for just getting up there and doing it. I think that maybe that's why people find it difficult and find it scary because you Mm. have to practice in front of people. You have to suck in front of people. Yeah, yeah, and we know that that's why... That's why people feel anxious is because it's yeah. judgment. We don't, we, don't, we don't like that feeling that people may not like us or think that we're mm. as brilliant as we think we are. Mm. Having said that, there is a lot of practice that you can do by yourself that you can get prepared for before you are in front of people and having to practice what you're going to say in front of people. Yeah, so we can give you some of the tools to best be able to prepare for standing in front of an audience, uh, even if that's a new audience or a new presentation. I think the first question here is, in what situation would you actually rehearse a presentation? Mm. And I think the answer is not black and white. I think it is just proportionate to the stakes. If you've got a weekly meeting in front of just the rest of your team, just a few people, and you've got to give an update or something like that, you're probably not going to put a lot of time into that rehearsal. At the other end of the spectrum is something like a keynote that's going to be given in front of a large audience. The stakes are really quite high. You don't have much room for failure. Then your rehearsal process is going to be a lot more intense, a lot more structured and really, really important. So as important as it is, is how much you rehearse proportionately to that. And I heard the other day for a proper TED talk, they recommend, I think it's 100 hours? 200 hours for a TED. Two, yeah. Which like is crazy, but obviously that is quite a, a once-off high-stakes presentation. That Yeah. And some of the best TED Talks, some of the most watched ones, have that. They have oh, yeah. hundreds of hours of practice behind them. And that's why they're some of the most watched ones, because they're so much more engaging. Yeah. Again, it's proportionate. How much has gone in is how much comes out. So let's explore the reasons why you should rehearse, other than that obvious idea that more preparation and more rehearsal is going to result in a better presentation. But what's that? What's the actual reasons that that rehearsal results in a better presentation? Well, I know certainly for me, and probably for most people, I think much clearer when I'm by myself and I've got a little bit of headspace without the pressure of an audience. Without the stress of all those eyes looking back mm. at you. It means that you can workshop your ideas. It means that you can maybe workshop some phrases. 
if you've got maybe some clever language that you want to use, something nice that you want to actually say, you can yeah. practice the delivery of it. And potentially, most importantly, you can get a really good sense of the timing of your speech. Oh, yeah. Because there is nothing worse than having a 10-minute slot and realizing at the nine-minute mark that you are 25% of the way through your content because you haven't rehearsed and you've come prepared with 50 minutes of content. So I think here we're just going to delineate between preparation and practice. So we're going to assume that all of the preparation has been done. So this is things like getting our structure in place. Mm -hmm. And if you're not sure about a structure to use, I recommend going back to one of our previous episodes. It's specifically about structure. It's called the structure used for almost any presentation. But that's a really solid episode for getting your actual preparation done before you start the process of rehearsal. So we're going to assume that you've got a presentation outlined. You know what it is that you want to say. You know the general gist of it. You've got a message, a structure, your PowerPoint's done. You're at the stage where it's now about rehearsing Mm. the delivery of that presentation. So rehearsing and practice. Mm. Okay, so one thing that I want to address fairly early on is the idea that rehearsal doesn't work. I think we've all heard this. Yeah, so oh, I can't rehearse. Doesn't work for me. It doesn't work for me. It makes it awkward. I'm better just winging it on the spot. Mm. And even I've come close to saying that in my early days of speaking, and it's not until you understand how to rehearse, how mm. to do it properly, and knowing those tips and tricks that we'll, we'll touch on today, and rehearsal does work. Mm. really really well like I, I wouldn't not now yeah so let's talk about why that rehearsal fails yeah and it's because people rehearse once yeah. they run through their content once and then they get on stage and they've got that one point of reference and they're trying to remember that one time that they ran through it without an audience and they're just thinking back and their mind is solely focused on that one time that they rehearsed and their presentation starts to become jilted and awkward mm. and it doesn't work And so they say, rehearsal doesn't work for me. I'm better just winging it. Mm. It's because they're rehearsing incorrectly. It's not because rehearsal doesn't work. They've not rehearsed enough. They've not rehearsed the right way. And then it comes back to bite them on stage. And then they forevermore think rehearsal doesn't work. So the reasons that rehearsing and practicing your presentation are beneficial is is contrary to this almost cop-out, if you will, of I'm better in the moment, better to just wing it, Mm. is it is nearly always true that the worst time to think about what it is that you're going to say is when you're saying it. Yeah. Unfortunately, our our brains just don't work that well under the stress and the pressure. When you've got people looking at you, you've got some higher stakes. So when you're rehearsing and it's just yourself in a room and you don't have people looking at you and you're not stressed and the stakes are lower, your brain's going to work a lot better. Mm. Then when you're in front of people, the stakes are higher, you've got people looking at you, you've already got a level of anxiety and stress, no matter how experienced you are as a presenter. When we're in front of people, we all feel that level of, mm. of anxiety of that. And your brain does not think as fast and as clearly in that moment to fully outline the phrases and the ideas that you want to express. When we rehearse a presentation, and that gives us time to go through and practice the ideas and the phrases that we've written down or that we'll potentially use in those areas where we're happy to be a little bit more freeform in our presentation. Hmm. And in some ways, your proper preparation will make this process easier. So go back and listen to that episode on structure and spend most of the time that you have on the message and the overall structure. Mm-hmm. 
So really rehearsal is almost, I don't want to say a luxury, but but if you've only got time to sort of focus on the message um, and the structure, do that first. Yeah, for sure. But again, that's going to kind of come back to your stakes because the mm. highest stakes, theoretically, the more time you should have to present. No one's going to ask you to give a really high pressure, super important presentation within even a day. And if they do, then you really need to be questioning whether you're the best person for that. Yeah. So I talked about why rehearsal is a good idea and the reasons that it results in a better presentation. Mm. Why don't we, Kate, share some of the tips and tricks on exactly how to rehearse? Yeah. So let's start with notes. Let's tackle notes first. Oh, yeah. So whether you write out your script or have short notes, again, it really depends on the presentation that you're giving. Mm. If you know your content really well, you've got a really solid outline, then you might not need many notes. You might just need a few bullet points, which is fine. Yeah. Alternatively, again, a keynote is going to be a lot more structured, a lot more scripted, perhaps not down to the word, but it will be a lot closer script-wise. Yeah. However much you start with, fine. But the idea is that you start with the maximum notes that you need and you start to collapse them down. So you might start with an entire page of notes, Mm -hmm. which is going to tie you to a lectern or tie you to your notes. Yeah. And you rehearse with that. Once you're comfortable with that, start to remove words out of mm. out of your notes. So yeah, you might collapse, say, a full paragraph down to a single sentence. Mm. And then as you rehearse more, you might collapse that single sentence down to like a little headline bullet point. Mm. Yeah. And then to be more extreme, you might just collapse that down to a single word. Yeah. So then it's just something that a little bit of guidance. A bit of a prompt. Yeah. And it's worth noting, if you have notes to present, which is fine depending on your presentation, right? Mm. Those notes go on a sheet of paper or in the presenter notes, not on the PowerPoint yes. slides. <laughs> Please don't put your bullet points up there for everybody to follow along with you with. Mm. Actually, a really great way to do notes is to use pictures. Mm. I find this works really well yeah. because then you can have them on a sheet of paper, even like on the floor in front of you. So your audience yeah. can't see it. But a picture is so much easier to see than a word. It's so much easier to identify at a distance that works really, really effectively is collapsing down to pictures. So an example of that is when I do PowerPoint training and there's that one segment about the four things that people will always look at. Yep. And it's big objects, high contrast objects, brightly colored objects and moving objects. Like That's pretty wordy. But in my notes, I just have, so for big, I just have like, I think it's two squares. One's a bigger square than the other. Mm. High contrast, I have a black square and a white square. Moving, so it's got, you know, the whooshy arrow on it. Mm. And then brightly colored, it's just a red square or something. So I know what they mean. And it's visual. I can see it from some distance. So I don't have to read read it it really quick, really quick just reference, which is quite a... It's a a reminder. Yeah, a reminder rather than... Notes. Yeah, so that's a bit on notes. Number two is internalize your presentation. Do not memorize it. Oh, yeah. A number of years ago, I traveled to San Diego by myself and I hired a car and I knew that I wanted to get to one particular area. I wanted to go to like their main jetty. It's a bit of a tourist attraction. And for whatever reason... The GPS was not working on my phone and I'm in a city that I've never been to before and I had to work out how to get to this jetty. So I'm in the hotel looking at a map and I got the nice man at the concierge desk of my hotel to help me like work out exactly where I was going to go. So I had this map and I knew exactly where I had to turn at each street. I had memorized exactly where it was, turn for turn. 
And keeping in mind, this is in America. This is driving on the opposite side of the road that I'm accustomed to. Driving on the wrong side of the road. Yeah. So that was <laughs> driving on the wrong side of the road. Yeah. So that already was taking up most of my mental effort. Mm. So I absolutely had to memorize where I was going to go. But I knew that if I made a wrong turn, oh, I was stuffed. It, was, it ruined the entire pattern. Yeah, exactly. And luckily I managed to make it there, but I knew that if I'd made a wrong turn, like it was all like, I was just gone. There was no getting back on track. I would have had to probably go to a servo or pull over somewhere, find my map, work out where I was versus being in my own suburb that I know like the back of my hand. Sometimes I used to come back from my job in the city in peak hour traffic and it would be awful, but I knew a few little rat runs that I could take. I knew that if I made some little turns, I'd still essentially end up in the same place. I knew where I was going. And if I kind of got lost, I knew exactly where to turn to get back on track and I'd still end up at home. Just keep heading in that same yeah. direction. Exactly. Yeah. So that that is, to me, the difference between memorizing something and internalizing something. Like memorizing a turn for turn or word for word or yep. knowing where we need to land or arrive. Yep. Mm. Yeah, so if you memorize a presentation and you know it word for word, you better get that absolutely correct because if you stuff up, if you take a wrong turn, it can be disastrous. You will have to stand up. It can be irrecoverable. It can be irrecoverable. You're going to have to go and find your notes, work out where you are, mm. stop. So I do not recommend memorizing in general. I highly recommend internalizing. I recommend knowing your subject, knowing exactly what you want to say, what your message is, knowing all of those things so, so well. Rather than having it word for word perfect. Yep. Having said that, there are some things that you probably will want to memorize word for word. Mm. And that is things that you absolutely cannot afford to get wrong. So this is things like your numbers, your facts, maybe a quote if you want to yeah. quote someone. You kind of don't want to misquote them. So those key quantifiable elements of your presentation. Yep. So you might want to memorize those exactly. Do you have a tip for being able to memorize short sections within a larger presentation? Yeah, and I think that's just muscle memory and repetition. Yep. That is saying it over and over and making sure that you don't just have an idea of what the number is. You know exactly what that number is or mm. that quote, that figure. Because it's awful when you get a number wrong and then you get questioned on it. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, no, no, sorry. It's actually this number. It actually damages your credibility for your entire presentation. I actually also recommend going for a walk and saying it out loud. Now, there's a couple of reasons for this. First of all, our brains just work better when we're doing a little bit of exercise. You know, we've got a little bit of blood flowing, all of that sort all of thing. endorphins going. Yeah. But the main thing is it adds another layer to our memory. If you are practicing something when you're going for a walk, you've got kind of a visual stimulation going on as well, not just, you know, the confines of your office, your bedroom, your shower, wherever it is that you <laughs> practice. Don't knock it. I practice my yes. speaking in the shower. But going for a walk adds that second layer when you say it out loud. So then when you're in the moment and you've got to deliver that fact number, quote, whatever it is, you actually kind of get a little bit of a flashback to where you were when you memorized it. I imagine it's a little bit the same as like when you hear a particular song and you get a flashback memory to a particular time and place where you heard it or it had an effect on you. Yeah. Or maybe the first time you heard it. A song or any like major event. Mm. 
So the third thing there is we, we, we touched on saying it out loud. Now, you want to repeat and repeat and repeat out loud those key elements that you want memorized. But your presentation as a whole, you want to rehearse in real time. Out loud, right? And in real time, I mean, if you've got an hour-long presentation coming up, find yourself an hour and rehearse it in real time. Mm. Out loud. Now, this might mean that you need to go find a space where you can just talk to the wall or a group of chairs or the plants in the backyard and say it out loud. Ideally, you want to use the room or the space that you will be presenting in so that mm. you're a little bit more familiar with that. With in that the space. ideal world, yeah, you'd absolutely get that space. Yeah, if it's available or you can book it all or what have you. But certainly finding, giving yourself a space somewhere to rehearse that out loud. In the early stages of rehearsing, you might be going through your presentation and you might be using your PowerPoint and identify that changes need to be made. Now, my tip here is don't stop and make those changes, especially if they're like big changes because you, know, you think, oh, this slide doesn't work. I need to readjust the elements on it or I'm going to reword this paragraph. And that's going to take time. It's going to ruin. Oh, little... you'll never get to the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because you'll be always perfecting, right? It's going to ruin your knowledge of the timing of the presentation. Yeah. But most importantly, it's going to disrupt the flow because internalization and rehearsing out loud is more about understanding the flow and the pattern and the rhythm of the presentation rather than trying to get it word for word or sentence for sentence, really. So if you see those big changes that need to be made, at worst, I think, like, pause and put a pen mark next to it, put a little asterisk next to it. Mm. But basically, just stick with it. If there's, if there's a change that needs to be made that is, like, damaging that, you kind of can't get around on this rehearsal, stop, make the change, and then start again. Mm. Do it all the way through, which at worst will mean that you've you've got the first part up to that change rehearsed one extra time. So if you can, speak it out loud in real time in the space. And I think rehearsing it out loud in real time is worth dozens of rehearsals doing, you know, in your head, um, quickly breezing through your notes sort of thing, which just... I think it almost comes back to that beginning the bit that we talked about, about why rehearsal fails, is you try and do it once. Or do it wrong. Yeah, because we say, you know, do it real time all the way through. That's not going to be your only practice. So you're going to mm. go back and make your changes, and then you are going to do it again anyway. Oh, yeah, yeah. So don't be afraid to just do it the whole way through all together and get that flow. Get the flow the Because pattern. that should not be your only rehearsal by any any means. If you've got an hour-long presentation, that is high stakes. So you're <laughs> yeah. going to be rehearsing over and over and over. Yeah. And if it's a shorter presentation, you know, if it's only a 10-minute presentation, you'll have a couple of opportunities there to rehearse it real quick. Yeah. Um, and like you said, sometimes you practice your speaking in the shower. You can practice speaking in the shower, in the car, yeah. um, in these places where you have your own space. Um, and that's not obviously in the space that you'll be presenting, but it's getting a bit of that flow, pattern, rhythm in your head and a bit of that muscle memory happening. Yeah. During your rehearsal practice, I recommend finding someone who's going to be in your audience, a proxy for your audience, someone who understands your audience's perspective. Mm. And this is something we talk about a lot is having an audience focus, making sure that you are speaking to your audience. It's not about what you want to say. It's about making sure that your audience understands you. There's a couple of different people that you can have in your rehearsal. Some might be peers that are making sure that, you know, what you're saying makes sense, that it's correct, all of that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And then the second is kind of the proxy for your audience, but what I like to call intelligent ignorance. So <laughs> it sounds a bit insulting at first, but it's, it's not. It's the people who are not familiar with your topic. They're not all over what it is that you're going to say. They're not going to fill in their own little gaps 
in whatever you've said. That's what the ignorance is. They don't have that knowledge. But then the intelligent part of that is they're able to tell you, hey, I didn't understand when you said this bit. Hey, I found this bit really confusing. And they're able to give you that feedback because it's no point having someone who knows as much as you do come in and listen to you. If they can't articulate. Where your gaps are in mm. what you're presenting and mm. what you're trying to communicate. Yeah, because I think that's that's communication. It's, a, it's not necessarily about what you say, but what your audience hears and understands. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So if you can't get someone in the room with you able to watch you listen to you practice, record it. Yeah. This doesn't have to be video. It could just be audio. Yeah, the native voice recorder on your phone maybe. Yeah. Again, it's going to come back to stakes. If you've got something really high stakes, something that you want to present the whole thing really perfectly, you're going to want to video record it because you're going to be looking at more than just what you're saying. You're going to be looking at body language, PowerPoint use, the whole shebang. Yeah. And ideally watch it back for yourself as well. So then you can look at your own body language, your own use of voice, look at your PowerPoint as a third party. Mm. So another thing to think about in your rehearsal process is if you're going to have a Q&A session as a part of your presentation. And if you are, considering how that's going to work, where it will be in your presentation, consider some of the questions that may come up, how you might like to respond to some of those questions, how long it will be. Just basically give yourself the time to think about a Q&A session or if questions might be asked of you and how you're going to deal with them. Yeah, when we give training, now sometimes we get that comment that you can't prepare for a Q&A session mm. and you can. Like, We had a guy in one of our workshops, in one of our corporate workshops, and he was saying every Tuesday, I think it was, they had this team meeting and the boss would ask everybody in the room for an update as to where they were in this particular project. And he said, every time we had one of these meetings, it caught me off guard because I hadn't had time to think about it and I didn't know it was going to be asked. Oh, yeah. And... I thought this was interesting. I was like, so let me get this straight. Last Tuesday you had a meeting and the boss asked you for an update. You said yes. Okay. And the Tuesday before that you had a meeting and the boss asked you for an update. Yes. And the Tuesday before that, yes. So what's going to happen next Tuesday? Yeah, he'll probably ask me and I can think about it and prepare for the question he's going to ask. Mm. Like, ah, there you go. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Because this is the thing, when you're giving a presentation, I think there's this little bit of a fear that an audience member could ask you, any question, any question, but kind of realistically, they won't. They're only going to ask you questions on the content that you've delivered. They're going to be looking for clarification or maybe a little bit of extra detail. They're not going to ask you how to cook a roast chicken. (laughs) Good example. They're not going to ask you about stuff that's wildly off topic because no one's been thinking about it during your presentation. And a couple of times we've done a few workshops for roadshows. Yeah. And the same thing, they get asked the same question. Regardless of city or date or... Yeah, the same questions come up. So you can absolutely rehearse and practice your responses to those questions. Yeah, it's worth considering a Q&A, the questions you might get asked and how you will likely respond to them. Yeah, um, I just want to touch on here a little bit about authenticity. Sometimes some of the pushback for rehearsal is about being authentic. And, you know, I like to be authentic. I don't want to be rehearsed. But I think there's a huge difference between being authentic 
and being completely unprepared. Oh, yeah. We sometimes hear people think if they jump on stage and they're just going to wing it and just be themselves. Just start talking. It's actually kind of inauthentic because you never get somebody's best self when they do that. So actually, if you do a bit of preparation, you think about how do I want to be portrayed? How do I best portray my personality in this presentation? And you rehearse that and you feel good going onto stage knowing what it is you're going to say. Your true self will probably come out a lot better than if you get up, grab the microphone and, oh, where are we going to start? Oh, that's so true. You actually display your personality a lot more when you're a little bit confident and prepared. Oh, so true. So then the last tip about rehearsal is what if you don't have time? What if you have something coming up that you you literally do not have the time? What do you put your time into rehearsing? We already talked about you put the most time into getting your message and your structure. Yeah. Correct. But in terms of rehearsal, if you can fit in just a couple of minutes practice, the two things to practice are your opening and your ending. You want Mm. to start strong and end strong. Know what your opening sentence is going to be, which should be your message. It should be the most powerful part of your presentation, what you really want to communicate to your audience. And similarly, at the end, you want that to be strong. You want it to be clear and concise. Again, kind of talking about the message and ending really strong. So you're not just getting to what feels like the body of your presentation and then saying, and I guess that's it. And that's me done. That's me done. Yeah. Needs to be really strong end. So if you can practice just a little bit, get that opening really strong and get the ending really strong. And the opening's really important to get strong because that's where you're most nervous. I mean, we see it all the time. Mm. When somebody first stands up, that's when they're most nervous. Once they've delivered that opening, nearly everybody relaxes that little bit. So if you can have that bit quite clear in your mind, is going to help you to relax into the presentation. Start confident. Mm. And that's kind of how you continue. Yeah. And then like we talked about with the internalization, you may not know turn for turn or word for word, but if you know what the ending is and that that's where you need to land, mm. when you arrive there, you can have it strong in your mind. Yeah. So like we said, there is no substitute for practice and preparation Mm. when it comes to speaking, unfortunately. But hopefully we've shared some tools here that you can go away and use that will help to ensure that your rehearsal time is best used for the best result in your presentation. And so really the purpose of rehearsal is making sure that the presentation that you have prepared, you are able to deliver and it delivers how you want it to. And the first time you say something should not be in front of an audience. Mm. So all of those tips are in our show notes. So if you want a summary of any of those tools and tricks, you can go to the show notes in your podcast player or they're on our website. We've got a page dedicated to our podcast, which has all of the show notes for each week. So hopefully that's been helpful and given you some good tools and tricks to use. And we will be back in your ears again next week. Thanks for listening to today's show. We'd love for you to leave us a review on iTunes. If you'd like to know more, check out presentationboss.com.au slash podcast, where you'll find the show notes for today with links to everything we've discussed. If you have any questions about presentations that you'd like us to discuss, get in touch by emailing us at podcast at presentationboss.com.au. We're always happy to hear your thoughts or take suggestions for future episodes. Most importantly, we rely on you to share the information of this podcast. If you found value in today's episode, please recommend us to a friend. Have a great week. I think that kind of goes into number four altogether. Number four, yeah. I think it does. You want to do number four? You want to do number four? Yeah, I'll do four. I'm happy to do record it if that doesn't fit in. I think five. You do five. Okay, oh, yes. Let's record it. Oh, that's kind of a separate one. It is a little bit. All right.